In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Tomorrow night begins a new season of America's Got Talent, the Champions. It's a little different than what normally they do. Instead of a group of contestants coming on to compete, all the contestants are going to be people who have already won or done extremely well in America's Got Talent. Or people who've done very well in other Got Talent franchises that were going on around the world. It's going to be fun to watch all of these people who are now the best of the best competing. Our own Darcy Lynn Farmer from Oklahoma City. She is going to be competing in the contest. So is going to be Shin Lynn who won last year. But also is going to be Susan Boyle. Some of you will remember the name Susan Boyle. She came in second in Britain's Got Talent about 10 years ago. I hadn't thought about Susan in several years. It turns out that she's been taking some time off after all the success and fame just to kind of be with family and friends. But now she is coming back to compete in the new show starting tomorrow night. And she's now having a new album come out in 2019. You know, Susan Boyle really is a fascinating person. If you remember when all this was kind of new, this Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, 2009, she came on the show and her, her show was aired. And when it aired, they began getting a response literally from Australia, from Japan, from Europe, from America, around the world. She became this incredible phenom happening. It was an exciting thing to be able to see and she became extremely successful that year she would cut a debut album after she got through with the contest and it would be that album 
her debut album that would sell four and a half million copies in two weeks. It would go on to be the best-selling debut album of the year by taking the next five combined, she outsold them. Well, she was a huge success, and now she's going to be competing again tomorrow. But do you remember her story? Her, her mother, Bridget, was 45 years old, and she had already had eight children. The doctor said, don't have any more. But she did. She got pregnant a ninth time. The reason the doctor had said no more at 45, he was worried about her health. And sure enough, as time went on, she began to develop high blood pressure and there was swelling and it did not go well for her. In the end, they put her to bed. As it got closer to giving birth, she in the end had to go to the hospital and then her blood pressure skyrocketed. All kinds of problems began to happen. They had to do an emergency C-section. In the end, they thought they were going to lose mom and baby. When finally Bridget got better enough to be conscious, the doctor came in. and Instead of coming in to say, congratulations, you have a healthy little girl. He came in to say, your little girl is having respiratory problems and we have her in an incubator. It was the next day that her husband came in and said, we think there was a wee little time when... She didn't get oxygen to her brain. But we're very hopeful she's going to be okay. When finally she did get better and Susan did make it, and they were finally ready to go home, the doctor came in and the doctor said, we know that there was a period of time when Susan did not have oxygen to her brain. She definitely has some brain damage. She will always have learning disabilities. You should never expect much from her she will never amount to anything. Not the kind of message that a new mother wants to hear about her baby. But she took her baby home and she had great faith and she began praying every day about this child and treated Susan just like she had done all her other children, helping her to read the stories, trying to teach her numbers all the things that she would have done with all her other children. And it was obvious that she was learning far slower. There was a disability. When she finally got old enough to go to school, she had to take a test to see would she be able to do this. And she barely passed. She would be able to be enrolled in the Catholic school there in Blackburn, Scotland. It was a small town, but she would be able to go to school And as the years went by, every year she just barely made it. It was hard keeping up. But each year she would make it and move on to the next grade. But she obviously struggled learning. And beyond that, she struggled in socially. I mean, the other kids teased her. They bullied her. They harassed her. She was ostracized. She found herself always alone. School was hard. The thing that she loved the most was singing. Her mother would sing at home, but she discovered how much she loved singing in church. Whenever she was in church, she would love to sing, and she would just be able to celebrate that. So she'd sing at home, she would sing at parties, she would sing with family and friends. She loved singing. It was her one thing. As she was struggling to grow up, it was her mother, though, 
who kept telling her, Susan, God is going to help you find the path. He's going to help you find the path for you to become the special person that God created you to be. It may unfold slowly, but you must trust Him. And you must continue on. For God will help you find the path to be that person that you were created to be. Susan would continue on. She would live there at home with her family. When she was 45, her mother died. Her father had already passed away. It left her now living in this home alone, the home she had been raised in, the bedroom where she had slept in that bed as a child. She was still there. And when she turned 47 years old, through her faith, she said, she found the strength, the courage to go try an audition for Britain's Got Talent. And so she went and she came out on that stage and she wasn't all polished. No, she was just who she was. Nobody knew this young woman from this little Blackburn town in Scotland. She came out and she sang, blew everybody away. In the next few days, it would be viewed on the internet more than a hundred million times. A hundred million times. In the end, it would be viewed more than 300 million times. No, she did get that recording contract. She did cut that first album. She's now made seven. They have sold 26 million copies. Every one of them has gone platinum. She has been incredibly and wildly successful. Not bad for a little baby whose doctor told her mother... Don't ever expect anything out of her. She'll never do anything much. Has anybody ever told you the same thing? Don't expect much out of you. You'll never amount to anything. Have you ever told that to yourself? That you don't feel like you're amounting? Too much? That she'll never do anything really important? Nothing that really matters? This morning, I want to start a new sermon series, Finding the Way. It is going to be the sermon series title, but it's also going to wind up being the the series for the entire year, the theme for the entire year, Finding the Way. Because I believe very much as Susan's mother said, God will help you find the path. He will help you find the way forward to become the person that you have been created to be. So I want us to begin this journey as we start this new year of looking for the way to go forward. Now, I'm excited about starting this new sermon series today for a couple of reasons. One, because it is the first Sunday of the new year. And there's something special about the new year. You know, Marsh and I have celebrated New Year's in many different ways through these years, but this year we did it rather calmly. It was just the two of us at home, had a great dinner, and then watched on TV as the new year rolled in around the world. And it was really kind of fun as I suddenly had a thought of going, wait a minute, look at it in Sydney, Australia, look at it in Singapore, look at it in London, 
Look at it in New York. Wherever they went around the world, millions of people were gathered together to celebrate, to watch fireworks, to watch a ball drop. You could tell people were so excited about the new year. And I thought to myself, why? Why am I watching millions of people literally around the world all get excited about a new year? And I think the answer is because we all like a new beginning. We all want that thought we get to start again. And there's hope that maybe this year we'll find the way. Maybe this year we'll get it right. Maybe this year I'll discover what it means to be that child of God, the person that God has created me to be. There is hope. It's something special about a new year. I'm glad we're starting today. But I also am glad we're starting today because today is Epiphany. Now, Epiphany happens every year, but not always on a Sunday. It's all determined by when Christmas comes. Epiphany is the 12th day after Christmas. It's the time that historically the church has celebrated the wise men, the wise men coming to the manger. So that what we see is that Jesus, the light of the world, has come not just for a peasant Jewish couple or the shepherds or the Jews, but for the Gentiles, the whole world. It's an epiphany. It's a revelation to where we all become aware of God's love, the light coming into the world. So the church has celebrated Epiphany, 12 days after Christmas. This year, it falls on Sunday. Today is Epiphany. And I am reminded that you and I have hope for 2019 that we are going to find the way because of a baby born in Bethlehem. We're the people of faith And it's why we have hope that we are going to find the way. What I want us to do to do that is by looking at the book of John. As we do as a family of faith, a church-wide Bible study, we remember Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. So we're going to study Christ. We're going to learn the way. And today I want to start where we should start, the book of John First chapter, verses 1 through 5. And we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. All things were made through Him. John starts off his gospel with a really important theological statement. Do you understand the wonder and the awe of Almighty God, the Creator of all. Nothing was made without Him. I think that sometimes you and I get so focused on all the mundane and the things in the midst of our world that we lose sight of the majesty and awe of Almighty God, our Creator. You know, I had so much fun during the Advent season telling you about insight, the lander on Mars, 93 million miles away, and the incredible discoveries we were making. 
But if you like science and NASA, you may have been paying attention this last week, and they weren't talking about insight. They were talking about New Horizon. Did you hear about the New Horizon spacecraft? New Horizon was launched in 2006, 12 and a half years ago. 12 and a half years ago, it's been traveling through space at speeds of over 30,000 miles an hour. In 2015, nine years after it was launched, it got to Pluto. It was taking pictures. It passed that back in 2015, and now it is in the Kuiper Belt, the outer reaches of our solar system. And it was trying to look for this one small rock, about 20 miles long, Ultima Thule, they named it, Ultima Thule. And they got there, they found it, they're taking pictures of this rock that they believe is four and a half billion years old. That it was there at the beginning of creation of this universe. This spacecraft is now four billion miles from home. I don't know how to wrap my mind around. Four billion miles away from home. When they send out a signal, it travels at the speed of light. It travels at the speed of light and it takes four and a half hours to get back to us. And that's how far this thing is away. You think about the grandeur of the universe. And John wants to say, in Him was all things made. Nothing was made without Him. Sometimes you and I don't think about the grandeur, the majesty, the awe of Almighty God. But John also is saying clearly, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word in Greek is Logos. And for the Greeks, what Logos basically means is the divine creative force that brings into being and gives meaning. The force, the divine force that creates is Logos. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, God. Again, John's trying to be very clear to help us here because sometimes as Christians, you and I are very sloppy in our thinking. We're a monotheistic religion. We believe in one God. But sometimes when I'm with my Christian friends, I listen to us talk and I really feel like we are tritheistic. We will talk about God, the Creator, and then we talk about Jesus as a totally different God, and then we'll talk about the Holy Spirit as a different God. John is trying to tell us very clearly, in the beginning was the Word, and all things were made through Him. No, no, there's only one God, and we experience the Creator, we experience that powerful Spirit, we experience who God is through a baby born in Bethlehem, but it is one. So John wants to tell us as we start studying the gospel and as we are going to learn about Jesus, this baby born in Bethlehem, it is the Word, the Logos, God. You're going to come to know the nature of God through Jesus. So you and I, as we go through this series, we are going to find the way forward by coming to know the Word.
When I was 19 years old and I was serving a little country church, I read a book that changed my life and the way that I would look at church and religion forever. That was 45 years ago. And it was by Leslie D. Weatherhead, a great British preacher, author. And he wrote a book entitled, The Transforming Friendship. And he said, you know, the way you should be looking at Christ is not as the rule giver, not as the person who's trying to help you get all your beliefs correct, but as your friend, the one who loves you, the one who you need to get to know and love as a friend. And if you feel loved by him and you love him, it will be a transforming friendship. That's what I want us to get to, a transforming friendship. So that as you and I go through 2019, we let the logos, the word, lead us into the way to discover who God has called us to be. As we begin today, I really want to leave you with just one thought. One thought because I love the way that this passage ends. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What we need to realize is in every life there is going to be a storm. Every life it is going to be dark. But we have a light. The Word, the Logos, the light who is going to help us find the way so that you and I can become the people that God has created us to be. Every now and then I like going back and watching movies that I've already seen. You know, sometimes it's fun watching new movies. You don't know what's going to happen. You follow them. Sometimes I don't want to take a chance. I'm wasting a couple hours of my time. I want to watch a movie where I know the ending and I know it's going to make me feel good. And so recently I was back and I was looking at a movie. It's called The Bucket List. I know many of you will have seen The Bucket List with uh, Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. It came out probably 10 years ago. If you have forgotten about it, it's a great show. Two men who have cancer and both believe they're dying. And they're very different, but they get together to create this list of things they want to do before they kick the bucket. And so they make up their bucket list. What do we want to do and experience? And so they begin doing these things and they learn so much about living and dying and about relationships. It's a great show. But as I was looking at this show and I was thinking about Morgan Freeman, you know, I, I, I love Morgan Freeman and the roles that he plays. I mean, he has such a great voice. I mean, he sounds like God, you know. It's kind of like Dave Petit. He just sounds like God, you know. You know? So, so I, I, I love listening to Morgan Freeman and the roles that he has played, Driving Miss Daisy, Shawshank Redemption, um, uh, of course, the bucket list. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And I also like Morgan Freeman because he's a sailor. Um, he has a boat down in the Caribbean. He loves to go down and go sail quite often just by himself. Uh, he's a private pilot. He was 65 years old when he decided he wanted to learn how to fly. He went and got himself a plane and he learned how to fly. And you know, He's now 81 years old and he's still going strong. And you look at his life and you think, wow, you know, he's just really got it together. But you really need to go back and kind of look at his whole life. 
When he was young, he's growing up in Mississippi and he's very poor. He said he'll always remember the time he went to a movie and when he went to the movie, he, he just had this feeling. This is what I'm called to do. This is the gift that God has given to me. It's what I'm called to do. In high school, he got involved in some acting classes, did very well. When he graduated high school, he got into the Air Force. He was in the Air Force for four years, got out, went out to Hollywood. And did you know that his first jobs were with PBS? He was in children's television. And that's what he started doing in children's programming. He got married. And you know, it really wasn't what he wanted to do at all. He wasn't very happy. But now you had bills to pay and you had to keep a roof over your head and it's really tough to make it as an actor out in Hollywood. And so he has a job, it's paying the bills. He had those golden handcuffs. It's not what you want to do, but how do you quit and walk away? He just kept doing it and he was not happy and he was struggling and questioning, am I ever going to amount to anything? And his life started into a spiral. He began drinking more and more and more. He soon fathered a son with a woman who was not his wife. He never met the baby. The baby's son did not know who his father was. He was 42 years old. His life was in a mess. And he was thinking about going back home to Mississippi. But instead, he decided he would sail to paradise. And he and his wife got on a 37-foot sailboat, and they left Norfolk, Virginia, and they headed for Bermuda. Now, if you're out there on that ocean on a 37-foot sailboat, let me tell you, you're a speck. You will understand the massiveness of the universe. And he was out there sailing for Bermuda when they got into a storm, and it hit and it was so strong, it knocked the boat over. The sail was in the water. And he and his wife were down below, and they were terrified. And he was trying to decide, do I just get on the radio, and do I call for help, and do I just wait and hope that somebody comes? Or do I go out there in the storm where it's really going to be terrifying and try to get this boat back on its feet? He went out there into the storm. And he got the boat back on its feet. And they sailed on to Bermuda. And when they got to Bermuda, he just started reflecting on the trip. And it suddenly occurred to him that was his life. That he had set sail so many years before for paradise. But now he is caught in a storm. And his life was knocked down. And the question he really had to answer was, am I just going to lie here waiting and hoping something will happen? Or am I going to go out there in the storm and try to right the boat? He left Bermuda and he came home. And when he came home, he wrote to his son, Alfonso. And it was about a week later that Alfonso was home and there was a knock at the door. And he opened it up and there stood Morgan Freeman. And Alfonso said, there was something inside me that just wanted to scream and yell, where have you been for these 19 years? But he said, I didn't, because I was so thrilled to see my father. And I threw my arms around his neck, and he hugged me, and we both just cried and cried. There was reconciliation. 
There was a healing. He then went and he quit his job. And he started going on three and four times as many auditions as he had ever dreamed of doing before. And it wasn't long till he had a part in Street Smart, which led to Driving Miss Daisy, which led to Shawshank Redemption, and on and on. He did not have a significant part in a movie till he was 50 years old. It's all happened in the last part of his life. And I got to looking at his life and I thought, it hadn't been a perfect life. It has been a life with lots of storms and dark nights. But he has been learning and growing, finding his way to the person that God has created him to be. There is a light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it for us all. At wherever we are in the stages of life, as you and I begin 2019, there is hope. It is a new beginning. Maybe it's going to go right. But understand, there will still be dark nights and storms that blow. But there's a light that shines in the darkness And the darkness has not overcome it. It is the Logos. It is the Word that continues to show us the way. If you're much of a sports fan, I'm sure that you have heard, as I did, about um, Tyler Trent. He's a young man who lived up in Indiana, 20 years old. Tyler uh, was born in uh, Carmel, Indiana, not far from Indianapolis. He grew up all of his life wanting to Um, to go to Purdue, to be a boilermaker. And he was really a neat kid, a good family, a young man of faith, grew up in his church. He was 14 years old. He was out playing, throwing the Frisbee, and his arm broke. And they took him into the doctor, and what they discovered was he had a very rare bone cancer. They put him into treatment. They began hitting him with chemo and all kinds of things, and they beat it back. Tyler had continued to work hard, continued to stay incredibly positive and optimistic. I mean, he was just a good kid. And he said, yes, I've got cancer, but I'm not going to let cancer just rule my life. I'm going to go on living even if i got cancer. And so that's what he had been doing. He studied hard, took his SAT, you know, a perfect score is 1,600. He made 1,500. He got a full-ride scholarship to Purdue, which had always been his dream, No, he was so excited. He wanted to be a sports writer, a broadcaster. That's what he wanted to go study at Purdue. He was at the end of his senior year in high school when the cancer came back. This time it was in his pelvis. They began to remove parts and replace it. He wasn't going to let him stop him from going to Purdue. He went there that fall. Yes, it was challenging. Yes, there were struggles. But he was still so optimistic and he loved the idea of college and learning. He got to Purdue and one of the other things, they have a tradition in Purdue that whoever wants to sit in the student section, whoever gets there first gets the best seats. They get to choose where they want to sit. And if you want to be right along the rail there at the stadium, you just got to be the first in line and those are the place you'll get to go sit. So he and his best friend got a tent and they started camping out in the parking lot. He'd go to class. And then he would wind up going and doing chemo in the afternoon. And then he and his roommate would sleep out in the tent in the parking lot. 
Well, the coach noticed, you know, not everybody has a tent in a parking lot. And so he went by to go meet these kids. And man, they're all dressed in Purdue garb and are decked out in paint. And they're so excited. And they're so nice and so kind. And the, the, the coach just really gets to know them, loves them. He has no idea about the cancer. Tyler doesn't mention that. And it's only after he gets to know him and these kids who are such fans and then he learns about the cancer and wonders, how can you be so positive? How can you be so optimistic? The football players start getting to know them. They're at all the games. And he goes through the season. And he goes for the basketball game. Sit on the front row of the rail in the student section. He becomes loved by the athletic department in Purdue. This incredibly kind, happy, grateful spirit. And then it comes to 2018, and the cancer comes back again. And this time they know it will be the last. But he still wants to be at school. He still wants to go to the games. He is still very positive and feel very optimistic and kind. He has this spirit that inspires everybody else. And by now he's become known on the sports pages and different writers because they know what he wanted to do. And it was in the fall that one of them was to him and saying, so what do you see in the future? And Tyler said, what I see is Purdue beating Ohio State. (laughs) It was not the answer that they expected. Ohio State was ranked number two in the country. Purdue was unranked. But they went and played and Purdue beat them like a drum. He called it and everybody on the team was so excited. And, you know, he was made co-captain in the football team. They would bring him to the games. They had him in a wheelchair. He had special privileges. When it came to the bowl game, Jim Ursay of the Baltimore Col- of the Indianapolis Colts um, put him on his private plane and flew him to the bowl game. And they had him in a wheelchair and brought him out on the field for the coin toss. Everybody was inspired by Tyler. And then the news came across on January 1st, first day of the new year, Tyler died. They've been having all kinds of memorials for him, remembering him. But I wanted to read you a quote that Tyler had given a while back. He said, Nobody knows the amount of days we have left. Some could say we are all in hospice to a certain degree. So why don't we act like it? Where is your gratitude? What are you thankful for? I had to write my will recently. And I'm just thankful I can give my family a Christmas present, maybe even for the last time. Let's not forget that my doctors gave me three months to live almost two and a half months ago. So why can't we live grateful lives? Why can't we make every day count like it's the last? At the end of the day, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And as long as you rely on your faith, things will work out. There is a light. And in the darkness, it still shines. For the darkness has not overcome it. It is the Logos, the Word, the Almighty God, the light who shines in the darkness that helps us to find our way.
in 2019, you and I have hope. We have hope that we will become the people that God has created us to be. For truly it is the light who will help us to find our way. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen.